Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good Monday morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hope you are off to a good start for your week. I hope you had a great weekend. I can tell you, I had a wonderful weekend. The start of it was absolutely awesome. I told you, I think, how I was feeling on Friday, and I did something about it sooner than I expected. (laughs) I'll tell you a little bit more about that experience coming up a little bit later on. Of course, we've got some very consequential things going on in the news, a number of things going on. When you hear talk suggesting we're on the brink of World War III, well, you kind of take notice. And we certainly are here. Is We look at the events in the Middle East and the possibilities that exist before us. We will talk about what is going on with Iran, what happened over the weekend, and how this nation may respond with some differing perspectives on what we should do. Um, I, I think now more than ever, it's one of these times where we really need to have unity and we've got to have some good leadership to explain whatever is going to happen. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. Also at a time here, I am talking about the importance of good leadership. It would be helpful if we had a president who knows where he is and who he is. Further questions about that raised during his visit to South Carolina this weekend. Well, I'll tell you what he had to say that just another reminder of this man's questionable cognitive condition. You will get to hear Mr. Magoo for yourself and decide for yourself what you think is going on. Also, We will talk about ongoing immigration issues. We mentioned there is a bit of treachery going on with Republicans, and this is not unusual. Republicans in the midst of trying to work some sort of deal out with the Democrats. We can't stay focused on just securing our border. We've got to make some sort of deal and legalize more people this is what they are up to right now and we'll talk about it and the consequences for one particular senator i think this is the kind of thing that should happen to more members of our national legislature We'll tell you what is happening to this particular senator. On the positive side, I told you one of the things I appreciate is diversity of thought. I, for one, would love to see the chokehold the Democrat Party has on black Americans. I would like to see that gone. And some people might take offense at what I just said in describing it, but that's exactly what it is. Unfortunately, a majority of folks in the black community still vote Democrat. 
And there's really no good reason why. You know, you could pose the question, what has the Democrat Party done for black folks? And, and I, hey, I just put that question out there right now. Can you identify one thing this party has done for black folks? Period. But let's zoom in the last 10 years, 20 years. I think you'd be hard pressed to actually have anything of substance that you could suggest the Democrats have done. So in any case, Republicans have the potential to make some inroads here. And we will talk about what is being done to mobilize support on the Republican side. And as I mentioned, I'll talk a little bit about my weekend, some really cool things that happened. I'll just give you a hint. The place I love to go when it's cold and rainy and dreary here. There is a state I love to go to to find relief. And the opportunity presented itself, and it was a wonderful time. So I'll get to that a little bit later on as we continue our broadcast. I want to begin with a really cool story reported by the Charlotte Observer. I love this headline. Chicken dinner lottery winner. Hungry North Carolina man hits big lottery prize on a meal stop. Yes, this is exactly what happened. A hungry man hit a big scratch-off game prize after stopping on a whim for a chicken meal at a North Carolina food lion. He said, I walked in for chicken, walked out with lobster. Huntersville resident Kevin Prast. This is what he said when he claimed his $100,000 prize at Lottery Headquarters in Raleigh. Can you believe that? Just going in for a chicken dinner. He ends up winning $100,000. Not a bad day, I would say. He bought the $10 million spectacular scratch-off game ticket to the Food Lion on Mount Holly, Huntersville Road, here in Charlotte. He beat the odds of 1 in 813,895, according to the $10 million spectacular game page on nclottery.com. Prass said he decided at the last second to grab dinner at the grocery and buy one of the $50 scratch-off tickets. He said it was just a fluke thing. It happened on a whim. You hear about this, but you don't ever think it's going to happen to you. After taxes, Prass took home $71,514. Can you believe that? He plans to spend some of the money on a tropical island vacation. Boy, does that sound good. $71,514. That's a nice bit of change (laughs) to start off the new year, don't you think? And congratulations to Kevin Prast of Huntersville. That's pretty awesome. Still to come in the broadcast, we will jump right in and talk about tragic events over the weekend and get input on this from a favorite congressman, that much more as we continue our broadcast. As you know, it's 2024, an election year. 
WBT gearing up to bring you all the latest on what's sure to be an election cycle for the ages. First up, the WBT North Carolina 8th Congressional District Republican primary. The debate is sold out, but don't worry about this. If you do not have a ticket, you can listen to all of the political goodness right here on WBT. It's Wednesday, January 31st. That's this Wednesday, 7 p.m. We'll be at Wingate University's Bat Center. This debate, moderated by Bo and Beth, with questions to the candidates coming from the whole WBT team. That would be myself, Pete Callender, Brett Winterville, Mark Garrison, and Brett Jensen. And we very much send a thank you out to our venue sponsor at Wingate University. Visit WBT.com for more details on this. The Drudge headlines in red tell us everything. Drone wars. McConnell calls for striking Iran. Nuke warning. Three U.S. troops killed. Dozens injured in Jordan. Biden pressured. Tehran allies brace. And this dire quote, we are on the brink. We had President Joe Biden speaking at an event in South Carolina And one of the things you will hear from him today, the first thing before we go to our guest, is during the course of this, obviously, political event, he made reference to what happened with this drone strike by this Iran-backed group that killed troops in Jordan. I want to quickly go to our... Uh, One of my favorite people to consult with in Congress, speaking to issues that uh, are very much concerned to all of us, Thomas Massey, Congressman from Northern Kentucky, joins us on the broadcast. Good morning and welcome, sir. Good morning, Vance. I know that you are very much sobered by this, as I am, and we've seen these repeated attacks in the region, and a lot of people have been raising questions about the danger of escalation, all of this stemming from the events that happened between Israel and Hamas. Uh, We've got calls, and we'll talk more about this after... After our conversation with you, we've got calls for very strong action. In fact, direct action, since these are surrogates of Iran, there are people now saying we need to attack Iran directly. We now have the comments from President Joe Biden speaking about what happened in Jordan. Listen up. I want to point out that we had a tough day last night in the Middle East. Lost three brave souls in an attack on one of our bases. Yes. And uh, I've asked you to come to the side of all three of those fallen soldiers. Jesus. And we shall respond. We shall respond. The words from Joe Biden. The question is will the response be to the surrogates? the Iranian-backed groups, or are we going to go directly after Iran, which is behind this? Congressman Thomas Massey, what are your thoughts at this point? Well, there are some senators who are urging us to attack Iran, 
And um, the problem with that, Vince, is that requires a vote of Congress. You cannot attack a sovereign nation. You cannot put us in a state of war without a vote of Congress. And um, there are some senators who are pointing that out. Chief among them is Senator Mike Lee. And this isn't the first time we've had actually almost this identical scenario, if you think about it, Vince. Um, if you remember, Trump took out Soleimani. Now, that wasn't on Iranian territory. And then there was um, an attack on some barracks, on, uh, you know, American troops barracks. And then there was some discussion over whether Trump would attack Iran. This was all in January of 2020, I remember, because President Trump called me uh, because I voted for a resolution that the Democrats put on the floor that said uh, you can't attack Iran without a vote of Congress. And that resolution passed. There were only three Republicans who voted for it, but um, it didn't pass the Senate. Then they brought it up again in the Senate again. This is a resolution basically saying you cannot go to war with Iran. You can't attack Iran unless you have a vote of Congress. Well, they brought that back up a couple months later. It passed both chambers of uh, Congress, and then um, Trump vetoed it, and we were not able to override his veto. So that's all a bunch of procedural stuff. But that's just to say we ha this isn't the first time we've been in this situation, and the Constitution is clear. From your vantage point, it sounds like you're very much saying there should not be any military action directly against Iran. Is that your position? Um, that is my position. It, unless, you know, you could prove this was Iran. Now, you say they're Iranian proxies. Well, you know, are we combatants? Are, we, uh, are the Ukrainians proxies for Americans when they attack Russia? Um uh, you know, using this logic, if you try to look at it in reverse order, we've we've enabled a lot of people to attack uh, other countries and, um, you know, in, in proxy locations, not on their soil, in a similar fashion to us. This wasn't an attack on American soil. The question is, you know, what are we doing in Jordan? What are we doing there in Syria? Uh so, yeah, this is the problem you run into, Vince, when you're into all these little proxy wars and these proxy skirmishes without a declaration of war from Congress and without a mission that it's been given to our military. All of them deserve a mission and with achievable goals that when they achieve them, they can come home. But that's not what we have right now with our troops stationed overseas. And this is just one of those situations that you get into when you've got so many gray areas in our troops operating in so many different countries. Is there anything that Joe Biden could present to you that would encourage you to put you in a place where you'd feel confident about voting for direct action toward Iran? Well, I'll never say what I'll never do <laughs> that, you know, when you're a, a legislator, uh, you can't foresee every circumstance. I can't, foresee anything he could provide me at this moment surrounding this, this attack that would put it in a context that would justify, for instance, what Lindsey Graham 
wants to do, which is attack the capital of of Iran. How concerned are you about the possibility of, of us uh, by these continued attacks and nothing uh, done toward Iran? There, the argument is that we look weak by continuing to allow these strikes against us. Well, we're you know where did the strikes come from directly? Do that. I think we we look weak when we give when we deploy our troops everywhere without suvi- sufficient rules of engagement. Um, to defend themselves or to protect themselves, and when we spread ourselves across the globe and and set ourselves up for this, um, I just think it's it's not good foreign policy. I mean, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to do diplomacy using our military, and I don't think that's appropriate either. I think we should have peace through superior firepower, but we should use it sparingly. And we shouldn't be we shouldn't be putting our troops in situations like this. Question in a conversation that I suspect we're very unlikely to have about um, what is going on, what we're doing with our troops, where they are, and why they are there. That's a broader discussion that perhaps we can have at another time. Well, Congressman well, Thomas Massey, just, I very pr- I appreciate quickly, you ben, coming on. If I could yes, say sir. Quickly, we, I think we are going to have that discussion in the context of a presidential race. And so although there's a tendency for the, the incumbent president to go to war to, to be more popular, um, ironically, I think this, is, this will be a, a good venue to have this discussion in the context of an election for representative senators and a president that's coming up. You are absolutely correct about that here in this very important election year. Congressman Thomas Massey, Northern Kentucky, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast today. Uh, Be safe out there on the road, sir. Thank you, Vance. Bye-bye. Congressman Thomas Massey, and he is very much a person urging caution as we approach this issue. We'll hear more of what others are saying about this the call to war essentially we're getting out of lindsey graham and others as we continue our broadcast whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you So, what do you think about the comments of Congressman Thomas Massey? It's very unconventional, and to be honest with you, it kind of challenges me in the perspectives that I have. I'll just tell you, yesterday evening when I, late last night, I reached out to Congressman Massey. I sent him a text like, hey, can you come on and talk about this? And I think he just can respond with a text. And he calls me. We end up talking for several minutes. And I think what he's saying makes a lot of sense. And and it goes to bigger issues about how we are conducting ourselves and our vulnerabilities based on the placement of our soldiers around the world. We do need to have a conversation. Why are we doing this? Why are we providing, quote, security for all of these areas? Ultimately, 
I think we need to be expecting more countries to take responsibility for their own security. So you heard President Joe Biden saying on Sunday the U.S. is going to respond after three American troops were killed, dozens more injured in that drone strike in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. Biden blamed Iranian-backed militias for the first U.S. fatalities after months of strikes by these groups against American forces across the Middle East. This since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Biden was traveling in South Carolina. You heard him ask for a moment of silence during this appearance. With an increasingly serious risk of military escalation. One of the first things U.S. officials trying to do is identify the precise group responsible for the attack. But they've assessed that one of several Iranian-backed groups was behind it. That is what they know at this point. Biden saying in a written statement, the United States will hold all those responsible to account at a time and manner of our choosing. The Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin saying we'll take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our troops, and our interests. Iran-backed fighters in East Syria started evacuating their posts, fearing U.S. airstrikes. So they're anticipating we're going to do something. So the question is, what will we do? That is the question. UK Mirror has a couple of interesting stories on this matter. This first one, Biden given chilling nuclear warning over attacking Iran after kamikaze drone kills troops. Ex-UN weapons inspector David Albright said Iran may accelerate its already well-developed nuclear weapons program if the U.S. decides to launch direct strikes on their territory. That is a pretty scary prospect. David Albright saying the rogue state could be led into thinking that building nuclear warheads is their best way out if they're directly targeted by the U.S. in retaliation for the deaths. Mr. Albright, who has previously claimed that Iran is just five months away from building 12 nuclear weapons, agreed it was important the U.S. send a clear message by targeting the militants responsible for the killings. But he urged Biden not to launch any direct strikes on Iran to avert a wider conflict amid heightened tensions. Here's what he said. You certainly don't want to attack Iran now by any means, but you do need to retaliate. Certainly, any retaliation should be directed at the group with a message to Iran. Control your proxies. One of the reasons to do that, you don't want Iran to feel it's being backed into a corner where it feels that building nuclear weapons is its best way out. Iran has quite a nuclear weapons capability that they've put together over the last 20-something years. That's a pretty sobering warning. That is offered to the president. What are your thoughts on this? How concerned are you about potential escalation? And on this matter of the possibility of nuclear 
elements here being brought into this. Is there a sense in which this is inevitable anyway? The Iranians have been seeking nuclear capability for years. Is it really going to make a difference one way or the other? What we do? I suspect it's not going to make a difference. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast. Also, comments from the former president, Donald Trump, on this matter. Coming across very hawkish. And that's the message also from members of Congress. We'll talk about that much more as we continue. 44 minutes after 10. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Of course, there are the usual suspects. I describe them that way. After an event like the attack this weekend, immediately beating the war drums. And and I've got to tell you, this there's a part of me. And in fact, at the very beginning of this whole surrogate thing, these folks out there acting on behalf of Iran, you know, and and it's probably good that I'm not president for this reason. I a part of me would be thinking that would be my first response. But a lot of experts are saying it's not the smart thing to do. Well, you heard that warning, for instance, about the dangers. So what are other people saying about this thing? The president's already saying there will be some type of response. Well, Biden is facing calls from congressional hawks to escalate attacks on Iran-linked targets, including within Iran itself. Heeding those calls would risk significantly expanding and drawing the U.S. further into an already growing regional conflict that sprung up as a result of the Hamas-Israel war. Biden says the U.S. is still gathering the facts of the attack. We know it was carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups operating in Iraq and Syria. According to the U.S. Central Command, in addition to the three service members killed, 25 wounded in the attack. Senator Mitch McConnell calling for serious crippling costs to Iran, not only on frontline terrorist proxies, but on their Iranian sponsors who wear American blood as a badge of honor. Senator Lindsey Graham saying in a statement, the attacks the U.S. has carried out on Iranian proxies outside Iran will not deter Iranian aggression, calling to strike targets of significance inside Iran. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military retaliation against Iran's terrorist forces, both in Iran and across the Middle East. Anything less will confirm Joe Biden as a coward, unworthy of being commander-in-chief. Ouch. Senator John Cornyn in a post on social media, Target Tehran, later specifying he wants the U.S. to strike Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and its Quds Force branch. Wow. As I said, these are clearly war drums. 
Representative Don Bacon, Republican Nebraska, senior member of the House Armed Services Committee and former Air Force Brigadier General, telling Axios the head of the snake is Iran. Bacon noted the administration keeps conducting strikes on the proxy forces that are armed and often directed by Iran, but Iran could care less if we attack the proxy forces. We should find smart Iranian targets that are low risk of our aircraft getting shot down and teach Iran a lesson. All righty. Axios saying Biden would likely face an outcry from many members of his own party if he retaliated to the degree some Republicans are advocating for. Lawmakers across the political spectrum, and progressives in particular, increasingly critical of the administration's broad interpretation of executive war powers in recent weeks. So, it sounds like, especially Democrats, more inclined to follow a policy of restraint here. And as you heard in the conversation with Thomas Massey, I think it's very likely they would want to see Biden essentially ask permission for any military action against Iran. I don't think they want to answer for this in an election year. So where does the former president stand on this particular issue? I'm referring to Donald Trump. Well, he is quite hawkish on this issue as well. Donald Trump's claiming we're on the brink of World War III, blasting Joe Biden, a furious rant on his Truth Social website. He claims the attack in Jordan, which the White House is pinning on Iran-backed radical militants, would never have happened if he were still the president. I think there's a lot of truth here. I think there are a number of things that may not have happened. U.S. Central Command confirmed the killings and those who were wounded. The president, as we mentioned, saying already... The U.S. is going to hold those responsible to account in a time and a manner of our choosing. But the angry rants out of Donald Trump. Trump saying the attack demonstrates Biden's weakness. The drone attack on a U.S. military installation in Jordan, killing three American service members and wounding many more, marks a horrible day for America. My most profound sympathies go to the families of the brave service members we have lost. I ask all Americans to join me in praying for those who have been wounded. The brazen attack on the United States, yet another horrific and tragic consequence of Joe Biden's weakness and surrender. All righty. He continues. Page two. Three years ago, Iran was weak, broke, and totally under control, thanks to my maximum pressure policy. The Iranian regime could barely scrape $2 together to fund their terrorist proxies. Then Joe Biden came in and gave Iran billions of dollars, which the regime has used to spread bloodshed and carnage throughout the Middle East. The attack would never have happened if I was president, not even a chance. Just like the Iranian-backed Hamas attack on Israel would never have happened. The war in Ukraine would never have happened. 
and we would right now have peace throughout the world. Instead, we're on the brink of World War III. Do you agree with this assessment? Do you think all of these things would not have happened? If only Donald Trump were in office. Page three, this terrible day is yet more proof we need an immediate return to peace through strength. So there will be no more chaos, no more destruction, no more loss of precious American lives. Our country cannot survive with Joe Biden as commander-in-chief. You can probably throw in, God forbid, we should get Kamala. Trump joined the criticism of Biden by his Republican presidential candidate rival, Nikki Haley. On Twitter, or X, Haley wrote as a military spouse, my heart breaks for the families who lost loved ones. This shows the barbaric nature of our enemies in Iran. It shows they would not be attacking our troops if Joe Biden weren't so weak in his treatment of Iran. We should retaliate with a full force of American strength. It's the only way to prevent further war. If we do not, these attacks will only continue. Join us in lifting up these heroes and their families in prayer. What do you think? All of this hawkishness communicated from members of Congress, but also presidential candidates, Donald Trump, Nikki Haley. And in the midst of all of this, you have to wonder how our own president comes across when he's not sure who the sitting president really is. What am I talking about? Well, another piece of audio we will share with you. In fact, I think I'll save this for after the break, but it hardly inspires confidence. We will also talk about the border issue. The treachery continues with Republicans on Capitol Hill and associated with the border issue. We now know Republicans are ready to move ahead with the impeachments of the Homeland Security Secretary. That and much more as we continue our broadcast of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. The news is next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Number number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. What are your thoughts on this matter involving Iran? Should we just go for the head of the snake and do something extraordinary and basically say, look, these are your people. And because you have funded them, you facilitated their activities, we're coming after you. Is that the appropriate thing to do? Let's go out to a call from David. Good morning, David, and welcome to the broadcast. Good morning. Can you hear me all right? I've got you. All right. Good morning, sir. I just had one quick comment about the uh, discussion regarding Trump and what would be and what would not be in the Middle East. One comment is that the Middle East has always been 
a powder keg. Doesn't matter who's in office, it's a powder keg. But how we respond to that is what makes Trump so much better than most any other Democratic president. That response is to carry a big stick, but speak softly, as one president once said, speak softly and carry a big stick. So what does that mean for right now? For right now, what Trump has had done as president was to do exactly that. His big stick was financial. Everything he did was a, was a buy-sell agreement. And everything that he isolated was isolated by finance. His big stick was finance. But he didn't go around talking about it. He didn't go around bragging about it. He just did it. So if you were president, what should Joe Biden do right now in the situation we find ourselves in? The same thing Trump did to Iran. Turn back around and do put back in place what Trump had in place containing Iran and containing its uh, groups like Hezbollah uh, and the rest of the uh, groups that are attacking us. You're talking about uh, taking financial steps to basically yeah. uh, choke off the financial support for Iran and make them pay in that way. And also, at the same time, reopen our uh, oil wells and our pipeline and uh, become what we should have been all along, which is energy independent. All right. Uh, fair enough, David. Uh, very much appreciate your call. Some uh, similar sentiments from Jeff, who sent this to me on social media. Vince, you know that these war drum beaters are not throwing this idea out, freezing the money that we were going to fork out to Iran, which is in the billions of dollars. How about reinstating the sanctions? We're funding these attacks on our troops with our tax dollars. These sanctions and the freezing of assets were in place when President Trump was in office. I think he's right in this assessment. We also have this. You heard the boasting <laughs> of Donald Trump. We have this. Only God can stop evil, not Donald Trump. His head is already big enough. I think there is a need for humility here. In, in looking back, for instance, I mean, you think of somebody like Ronald Reagan. I do not have a diminished view of Ronald Reagan and his peace through strength policy, which largely worked despite the fact that we lost hundreds, hundreds of our people in Lebanon. Do you remember that? The bombing attack that took place, it was under Reagan's watch. So I think there's a need. Yes, I do think there's a serious lapse here in leadership. At the same time, I'd also add that there are things that there are people going to test this no matter what. They don't care who's in office. Something to consider. Here's something else to consider. Over the weekend, and this is is not something that I share lightly. Can I just say, before I go into this, 
I hope everyone will join me in praying for our president. Because he does need a lot of wisdom right now in the choices that need to be made. And frankly, the multiple provocations that are taking place right now. Pray that this man operates in wisdom beyond his own. Because I don't have a lot of confidence, and you're about to hear one of the reasons why. I mean, first off, I don't have confidence in Mr. Magoo if he were of sound mind. I have even less confidence in this man in his current condition. I want you to hear what he had to say during a speech at the first in the nation dinner in Columbia, South Carolina. Now, I want you to listen to how he referred to President Trump. Now, keep in mind who the president is. That's just the hint that I will give you. Here is Joe Biden speaking at this dinner. Let me tell you who else is noticing that. Donald Trump. <laughs> Did you see what he recently said about that wants the, the, he wants to see the economy crash this year? Yeah. A sitting president. Yeah. As they say in my face, bless me, Father, for, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> when there's a crash, when he said when there's a crash, I hope in the next 12 months, he went on to say, it's unbelievable. It's un-American. How can anyone, especially a former president, wish for an economic crash that would devastate millions of Americans? Well, let me tell you what he really means. Donald Trump knows this economy is good and strong and getting stronger. He knows that while it's good for America, it's bad for him politically. Alrighty. <laughs> you notice he referred to Joe, to Donald Trump as a sitting president. Really? The sitting president? That's you, Mr. Magoo. <laughs> you have to wonder, what are the other nations around the world thinking when they see this? Uh, frankly, what does Iran think? What are those leaders over there? What are they thinking when they see this man who clearly doesn't know who the sitting president is? Now, people will say, well, it was just a slip of the tongue. There are a lot of slips of the tongue that raise questions about how sound this man's mind is. Love to get your thoughts as we continue. Coming up, I will share a little bit about my weekend, and we'll delve into some of the other news related to immigration and impeachment as we continue the broadcast 13 minutes after 11 o'clock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the broadcast 19 minutes after 11 o'clock. What are your thoughts about foreign policy becoming a significant issue now? It's not up there with immigration, which we'll talk about in a bit our current economic situation, but hey, we are maybe a few shots away from full-out war. 
Let's get some additional thoughts on this. Buster on the line. Good morning, Buster. What are you thinking here? Well, hey, Vince. Uh, love your show today. I just wanted to add uh, some comments uh, from uh, one of your earlier callers and uh, talk about some of the specifics about how I think uh, we should uh, really soften up Iran. And this isn't really my idea. This is something I heard on one of the morning shows from Casey McFarland. But uh, uh, the whole idea that the, uh, what, uh, you know, what we should do to Iran is to uh, basically steal India as their energy client, uh, that uh, India is now buying a lot of Iranian oil uh, now that the sanctions uh, have been lifted uh, by Biden and that uh, we could go to India and do a deal uh, where we agree to provide enough LNG and oil to meet their energy needs and, and just basically steal them as a, you know, as a client, uh, as a customer of Iran and do, it, do the same thing throughout, uh, you know, places in, in Europe and in and Asia that are uh, doing business with Iran. Uh, and we have the ability... Uh, to do that, uh, Biden can't do it because of his wedding, uh, you know, of his, his climate change agenda. And, and so he's, he's so wedded to that that uh, he can't, you know, really cross the, the, the climate uh, extremists. And, and, but uh, if we got Trump back in there, I mean, he'd have that done in a minute and also get the Red Sea open uh, and take out the Hooties. And, uh, and so uh, I think that's that, that those are my ideas. I, I think to do military action before softening up Iran is just counterproductive because basically our energy policy is fueling their economy. It's keeping the price of oil high <laughs> and it's also giving them cash because we're allowing them to do business in the world market again. Hey, you've made some excellent points. Uh, very much appreciate your call there, Bernie. Uh, these, okay. these are these are great, uh, very insightful ideas because, and this is what needs to be brought to bear. There's got to be, uh, I'm sorry, I meant Buster. I'm thinking of our producer here. Uh, this is part of what's necessary at a time like that. You've really got to put the squeeze, a total squeeze on Iran. And basically, what you've seen in this administration, if you've not been paying attention, what you have seen is a policy of making nice with Iran out of hopes that we can make a deal with them so that they won't make nuclear weapons. That's really the approach the Biden administration has taken over the past few years. If we just be nice to them, then maybe they'll be nice to us. Okay, how is that paying off for us? It's not. You know, they saw this sucker coming a mile away. Once, I mean, I'm sure they celebrated when they saw that Biden had won the election. And I'm sure they'd love to see another four years of this. Can you imagine Kamala? Oh, my goodness. That's absolutely depressing to think about. And again, I remind you, I think all of them are also questioning the mental acuity of this president speaking of mental health talk a little bit about the weekend i think it was on friday i told you i think i experienced seasonal affective disorder 
and especially, I mean, we had that stretch of all those rainy days, which is just dreary and depressing. It's like I have, I was just telling a friend of mine, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> I've got to get out of here. And just for a mental health break, experience some sun somewhere. So I made a plan to, uh, over the weekend, to I have, I, I've gone to all these places in Florida. Um, I don't know how many cities I've been to in Florida, but Fort Myers is one of the places I had not visited yet. I was, uh, a friend and I, we were going to go to uh, Fort Myers on Friday, and then there was a uh, an issue with a sick family member, and uh, and I thought, okay, this is off. But then on the way back from visiting <laughs> his uh, relative, he was like, hey, let's do this. So we ended up leaving later than originally planned, but left Friday night. And uh, one of the first interesting experiences arriving in Fort Myers, I arranged for a rental car. So typically, you know, you get... I typically get a mid-sized or full-sized vehicle or maybe a small SUV. I don't like to spend a lot of money. I try to find a deal on one of the services like Priceline or something like that, which I did. So I get down there to the line, and I could tell something's wrong. This guy is clearly in distress, the, the guy at the counter because they don't have the cars to meet the need, to meet the demand. This was like 11.30 Friday night. And I heard him getting on the radio and basically asking, hey, what do we have out there? So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. So (laughs) I think I'm not sure which end, whether it was him or the person on the radio, which just said, double check this guy's insurance. I thought, what is this about? So after filling out the appropriate paperwork, I went outside and the woman out there basically said, Hey, we're completely, completely out of all of the full size cars. We literally don't have any full size cars. It's like, okay, so we're going to have to substitute and give you an upgrade. That okay. I, I can live with that. The upgrade was right in front of me. It was a Maserati. (laughs) Yes, I'm serious. A Maserati was my upgrade. Do you know how much that costs, by the way? On a regular basis, $300 a night. $300 a night. And I got it as a free upgrade because they didn't have any other cars. And in fact, I think there were maybe two more. They're going to have to do the similar thing with two other people behind me. And they simply wouldn't have enough for probably four or five others who are still coming. But I was, man, I was thrilled to death. Driving this Maserati SUV around, that was a nice ride. <laughs> that really, I'm, and the thing is, I'm not a big car person. I'm really not. I mean, I've got a convertible that I enjoy driving around, and and it's old. This convertible of mine is 22 years old. I'm not just dying to go out and buy some new car. 
or especially luxury car. But man, this was a sweet ride. Uh, it was great. So that was a great way to start Friday night in Fort Myers. And then Saturday morning to wake up, you know, it was pretty dreary when I left on Friday. And to wake up Friday morning, the sun is shining. It's in the 70s. So, uh, for one, I got some good rest, which I really needed. Then went out, hung out on the beach, stopped at a couple of places, got some great food and drinks, and just uh, laid out on a beach for a while. I had to work on my tan. You know, I don't, you know, can't afford to get too light, you know? So, <laughs> so that was kind of cool just to lay out on the beach and, and see the, the waves and the just people watch. And I mean, it was in the 80s. It was an absolutely awesome day it wasn't too hot it was just absolutely perfect and to be able to spend the day like that it was just uh extraordinary uh, i referred to it as beach therapy and it really was very effective so very thankful so that was my weekend uh came back on saturday evening and i feel a whole lot better i hope you had a great weekend as well of the Vince Coakley radio program. So we have the war issues and we've got the ongoing border issue. In addition to that, you heard some discussion about that during the news. So here's what's going on on the border front. Probably top of that list is the plan by Republicans to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security. ABC News reporting House Republicans release impeachment articles against Mayorkas amid a push to remove him over the border. The Homeland Security Secretary calling this case evidence-free, of course. Two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas, accusing him of willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law and breach of public trust and taking another step toward a historic attempt to remove him from office while he denies wrongdoing. House Homeland Security Chairman Mark Green of Tennessee saying in a statement these articles lay out a clear, compelling, and irrefutable case for Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment. Green went to allege that Mayorkas has willfully and systemically refused to comply with immigration laws enacted by Congress. He has breached the public trust by knowingly making false statements to Congress and the American people and obstructing congressional oversight of his department. Mayorkas has long been a focus of Republican criticism of the White House's border policies. Testifying multiple times before Congress, the Department of Homeland Security maintains no high crimes or misdemeanors have ever been committed under the Biden administration. DHS officials in a new memo dismissed the GOP-led investigation of the House as unconstitutional, evidence-free, and sought to rebut the allegations in detail. Administration officials also point to a number of legal experts, some brought forward by the House Homeland Security Committee, who say the constitutional grounds for impeachment have not been met. Green saying on Sunday, Mayorkas had to be held accountable. The results of his lawless behavior have been disastrous for our country. 
empowered and enriched cartels, mass fentanyl poisonings, surges of terror watchlist suspects, more criminal illegal aliens causing harm in our communities, and traumatized and exploited migrants will be Secretary Mayorkas' open borders legacy. These new articles of impeachment are set to be reviewed in committee on Tuesday. Then they would need to be adopted by the full chamber in order to put Mayorkas on trial in the Senate, potentially remove him. House Speaker Mike Johnson saying on Friday, such a vote will occur as soon as possible. By the way, only one cabinet secretary has ever been impeached by the House, William Belknap, who resigned as then President Ulysses S. Grant, Secretary of War, shortly before the House voted against him in 1876. Belknap was accused of corruption, blatant even by the standards of the scandal-tarnished Grant administration, according to Senate history, but didn't receive the two-thirds majority of senators needed to convict. The first of the two articles of impeachment against Mayorkas accuse him of facilitating a catch-and-release scheme, arguing he allowed migrants to be unlawfully released into the U.S. without ensuring processes were in place for deportation. This is pretty basic stuff. But it's probably not going to go very far. You might get the House to vote for impeachment, but there's not going to be a trial. This would be dead on arrival in the Senate. This would be a joke. And it's a joke to them because, frankly, they do not care. On line two, I think we have Ricard would like to uh, speak on this matter of impeachment. Uh, what are your thoughts, sir? Well, I think it's a little bit too little too late. And I don't understand why these weak Republicans couldn't do this before. So now they want to do it in an election year. I mean, really? Uh, and there is a there's an audio. I don't know if it's a speech or not with Biden indicating this is in 2012. And he indicated that he would be opening up these borders. And the only thing that got in their way, and he, matter of fact, he said that they would, he would be replacing the Caucasians in this country uh, by 2017. But I think the only thing that, that derailed that was a guy named Donald Trump who won in 2016. So this is all a plan. This is globalism. This is the reset. This is exactly what they want to do. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, the goal here is to find the voters that they think will be more to their liking and um, uh, to, to further facilitate the the fundamental transformation of America. We heard Barack Obama talking about some years ago. Uh, to my other question here is, if you heard what Biden had to say, uh, Biden apparently made the comment some days ago that if the Republicans would just cooperate with him, he could close the border today. And and I'm thinking to myself, why don't you do it? Isn't that um, interesting that he, he clearly knows he has the ability? Yes, and unfortunately, we have a corrupt media, and a lot of people do not understand what's going on. They do not want to close that border. They, this has been a plan. This is a continuous plan, and it's not only going on in this country. It's going on uh, in Europe as well. And the big plan is to basically uh, destabilize these countries and um, 
have some sort of a global control, whether it's the currency, et cetera, et cetera. And people really need to wake up to this because your freedoms are at risk. Your freedom is being under attack. And I happen to be African-American, and African-American people have to understand you are being replaced. Mm-hmm. They this have is no intentional. need for you anymore. They need to <laughs> import more of the slave mentality. And the slave mentality is a victim mentality. That's exactly what they're doing. Preach it, man. You're, you're right on the money. Hey, uh, I'd like for you to stay on the line, by the way, and, and get some information from you to follow up. I'd love to have a future conversation here. So uh, stay on hold here. Um, I just hope more people come to this realization. I think we shared this uh, a few days ago, just how we reached a point where Hispanics now outnumber blacks. You know, they, they've helped us. They have helped us abort our babies. And they have also um, continued to pursue policies that are self-destructive to the black family. Uh, this, it's got to stop. And we've got to make the decision that we're not going to listen to them anymore. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Monday. Uh, Really relevant story connected to the conversation we had before the break. Associated Press reports Republicans see an opportunity with black voters prompting mobilization in the Biden campaign. Donald Trump is known for fostering deep connections with the black community from his earliest days as a real estate developer in New York. Trump has faced accusations of racist business practices, spent years spreading the lie that Barack Obama, America's first black president, was ineligible to hold office. When he was president, he derided blank hole countries in Africa and said four congresswomen of color should go back to the broken and crime-infested countries they came from. Ignoring the fact all of the women are American citizens. Three were born in the U.S. But as he seeks the presidency for a third time, Trump is aiming to win over an unlikely constituency, black voters. Trump declared during a rally in Atkinson, New Hampshire, have you seen our poll numbers with African-Americans and with Hispanic-Americans? We did great in 2016. We did much better in 2020. But there's much more enthusiasm now. This writer with AP says there's little evidence Trump is making significant inroads with black voters who polls show remain overwhelmingly supportive of President Joe Biden. But even minor changes in voting patterns in critical states could shift the race in unexpected ways. For Biden, the biggest risk isn't a dramatic move among black voters toward Trump. It's that such voters frustrated by a range of issues, including the lack of progress emerging from the 2020 racial justice movement, whatever that is simply don't show up in some of the most narrowly divided states that could decide next year's election including georgia pennsylvania michigan even minor shifts in turnouts could sway the results 
nationally, only 50% of black adults said they approve of Biden. See, this has to scare the living crap out of them. Down from 86% in July 2021. This shift represents a larger drop than among adults overall, white adults in particular. At the same time, only 25% of black adults said they have a favorable view of Trump. The thing you have to consider, Donald Trump has, doesn't have to get 50%. If he trims off 5 10%, Biden's finished. And they know that. Trump's campaign advisors insist they're aiming to jump on such shifts to spur a political realignment that would upend the Democratic Party's decades-long advantage with black voters. A senior advisor in the Trump campaign says we're creating a massive problem for the Democratic Party's base that could be altering for a generation. It's an opportunity we would be remiss if we didn't exploit. Cornell Belcher, a Democratic pollster, noted that Obama faced similar challenges with young voters and voters of color during his 2012 re-election campaign when many in the Democrats' base were frustrated by his perceived slow pace of progress on key goals. So there's an opportunity here, and I remind you again, I am not here to represent the Republican Party. I do want to see more diversity, more people actually embracing the idea of foundational constitutional values. That's what I'm looking for. And if that takes a person to a place of being independent, great. Libertarian, great. Republican, great. We don't need to be on that Democrat plantation, voting Democrat over and over and over without anything of substance to show for it. Literally nothing. Nothing but fear. Well, I'm very gratified to see something happening out in Oklahoma that I'd love to see <laughs> happening around here closer to home. Breitbart reports the Oklahoma Republican Party, we were talking about the immigration issue earlier. The Republican Party in Oklahoma is ending, ending all of its support for Senator James Langford over a Senate deal to expand immigration, ceasing all support for him. He's leading negotiations with other Republicans and Democrats for a Senate deal that would expand illegal and legal immigration to the U.S. As Breitbart News has detailed, Langford is negotiating the deal alongside other Republicans, such as, are you ready for these names? John Thune, South Dakota, Chris Murphy, Connecticut, and our very own Tom Tillis. This does not shock me at all. The deal would expand legal immigration levels by 50,000 green cards annually, even as the U.S. already admits about a million legal immigrants a year, with the nation's foreign-born population set to surpass 50 million this year, first time in American history. Likewise, the deal would allow up to 35,000 illegal aliens to arrive at the U.S.-Mexico border every week before requiring the Department of Homeland Security to impose border controls. Also in the deal, illegal aliens would get expedited work permits to take American jobs, and unaccompanied alien children would be provided taxpayer-funded lawyers. Who is the idiot who comes up with plans like this? I mean, this is ridiculous. Late last week, members of the Oklahoma Republican Party adopted a resolution to condemn 
and censure Langford for his work on the deal. In fact, their resolution reads, Be it resolved, the OKGOP strongly condemns Senator James Langford if and to the extent he continues these actions and calls upon him to cease and assist jeopardizing the security and liberty of the people of Oklahoma and of these United States. Be it resolved that until Senator Langford ceases from these actions, the Oklahoma Republican Party will cease all support for him. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that needs to happen here in North and South Carolina. Because we've got clowns that continue to support this nonsense. Why? You know what it is. There are financial incentives. Big businesses that love these policies. And they're the ones who make these very generous contributions to politicians. That's the truth of the matter. That's what this is all about. It's about money and power. And the people pushing this are people who are looking to go up the chain. So just a um, word to the wise. Be aware this is going on. Because, unfortunately, these politicians have concluded there really aren't any consequences for their betrayal of foundational constitutional values, conservative, libertarian policies. And this is the kind of thing that, frankly, has allowed administrations like this one to play the games that they have played to the border for years. And if we're honest about it, it's not just Democrats, it's Republicans. You know, I'm not as upset with the Democrats as I am the treachery of Republicans like Tom Tillis, who have been playing these games for years. And yet, again, who, who are these people voting for people like this? By the way, just because I can, before we go, I want to go to uh, take a quick look at Mr. Tillis's Liberty Score. This is going to be quick. And I'm sure you're not surprised. It's a 49. So that's what you get. Congratulations, North Carolina. It's all the time we have for the broadcast today. Thank you very much for joining us. In the meantime, be safe out there. Lord willing, we're back tomorrow at the same time. God bless you. Adios.